Hi, I'm Jason Willoughby. I have been here several, several times. And so if you know me, probably no introductions are needed. I live in McMinnville, friend of Pastor Matt, and always a delight to come here. I just love the church family, love in the room vibe I get every time I'm here. So you've got, you've got a lot to be thankful for. And um, I'd just like to pray for us as we delve into Luke 19. And as uh, we have our hearts touched already by a song, let's just ask the Lord to deepen that and really ready us. Father, thank you so much that you love us so much more than we can ever, ever imagine. Your mercy really is infinitely more than the pile of sins that we bring to you. Thank you for your grace, your redeeming, searching, seeking, saving the lost grace. Thank you for loving us in spite of ourselves, not only because we did all the right things, but because we didn't do all the right things and we did a lot of wrong things and you still love us. So would you just open space in our hearts as we finish this year, as we prepare for this next year, would you truly give us a fresh start? And for those that don't know you, a, a real true beginning of newness in their life through Christ. So thank you so much. We love you. And we ask you to uh, just be in the room in a powerful present way and take the truth of your word and go deep into our hearts and really touch us, really change us. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a senior in high school down in the Bay Area of California, I wasn't one of the popular kids, like most of us, right? There was that group. Remember that group? You know, we all secretly hated and envied them at the same time. So, and now they're on Facebook or Instagram, and you never escape them. But, so back then, I could leave school and goodbye. Never had to think about them until the next morning. But there was this talk going on in a classroom. I think it was a senior English class. And we had a lot of the kids who were like wealthy kids from up in the hills and the mayor's daughter and, you know, those, those folks. And they were talking about how they had been invited to be, be in the who's who of American high schoolers. And I was just thinking, they would never invite me. Probably not you either. And again, it was the well-connected, the advantaged, the, the politically active, the, the, the key families of the city and there. And, and, you know, and they also won scholarships. You know, they had all this money, and they still got all the big scholarships. And I'm thinking, they don't even need it. You know, it's just, it, was just, it was an interesting study in a moment of some who are in, some who are out, some who are above, some who are below, some who belong, some who are outsiders. There's this thing woven into all of human society throughout all of history, everywhere on earth. Insiders and outsiders, top people, below people. And so we're going to look at a text where we're going to definitely see someone who is as far down and out socially, religiously, I mean, we're all going to recognize his name, but we're going to look at the position this man was in, and hopefully in his situation, in his plight, 
and in his meeting with Jesus and what happens to him when he encounters the grace of the Lord for those who never get grace from other people. We're going to hopefully piggyback on his experience and be able to see him touch and grace us in the midst of the things we'd rather nobody knew and the things that are our worst, worst foot we'd rather hide. And in a society that, that prizes image and how we look and people spend fortunes to look like they're 25 when they're 80, you know, we, we, we are in this just toxic society that just is so shallow. It's as shallow as the sheen of oil on a, in a swimming pool by a drop of oil. I mean, it's as shallow as it can get. And so many of us will never win. We will never win. It's a no-win situation. Anyone feel that way? You know, kind of felt like there's some people who make the decisions and then there's us. You know, I mean, kind of, it, we, you get that vibe, don't you? And, and so here we are, we're going we're gonna to find a very interesting, unlikely mission. So let's go to the next slide and look at the first four verses, and you're going to all recognize this person. Jesus entered Jericho. Remember, he, was, he had healed Bartimaeus the blind man as he was entering through this important gateway city, and he was making his way through the city. And there was a man, and it's interesting in the Greek text, it's almost like there was a man of name, a man of reputation, a man of note. So in the, in the ancient world, you know, it doesn't matter if your reputation's good or bad or fame or infamy, as long as you had a name, that's what mattered. So he was a man of name called Zacchaeus. And the text, it's interesting, it just, it uses Greek in such a way that it emphasizes he was a chief tax collector and he was rich, as if we missed it. <laughs> God wanted to underline, this guy had that name because he was high up in the Roman tax extorting system. Caesar would say, I want this much money out of Judea. And then the next guy down, the governor, okay, Caesar wants that. I want this much beyond that. And then he'd call all the chief tax collectors, gentlemen, Caesar wants this, I want that. Anything you can collect above it, you keep. And they would hire a bunch of field officers. Okay, I'm, I've got a network of people working for me. I want this much. Whatever you guys can get beyond it, it's yours. Can you imagine how it would squeeze every dime out of these poor craftsmen and farmers? And I mean, it was not a just tax system. It was a how much can we possibly get out of you, squeeze blood out of a turnip tax system. And can you imagine how popular someone would be who was actively helping the Romans squeeze everything possible out of your own countrymen? Would it surprise you that they were not included in polite society? They were not welcome in the synagogue. They were considered irredeemable condemned by God and all of law, and there was no way back. Once you were that, you're done. Irredeemable, unsavable, unrecoverable, unrestorable. 
That's Zacchaeus. And because he's the chief one, double it. He was loathed and hated and rejected by his countrymen because Jericho was something else. It was also an important trade route. So all the stuff of Arabia and Persia and you know, what's now Iraq and India and all, all those goods from the Orient and Middle East were coming through Jericho on the way into the Roman Empire. And guess who got a cut? That's right, Zacchaeus. He and his henchmen. So here he is living an obviously wealthy life and everyone in town knows exactly where he got the money to live a rich person's life. You're feeling the hatred and envy? You're sensing that in the room? You know, with, with how his people just despised him. So he was a man of name and he was one of those. Now, Jesus had healed a blind man on the Jordan River side of Jericho. He's coming through there towards Jerusalem. So he's, you know, so the crowds are cheering. Oh, blind man healed. You know, all these crowds of people are coming into Jericho with Jesus. They're awed. They're amazed. And Zacchaeus was trying to see, and this is interesting, not just see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. It's an interesting way of putting it. And it raises the question, why wouldn't he just want to gawk at Jesus like a celebrity? Why did he want to know who he really was? What was, what was going on here? And what was interesting is all through Jesus's... Now, this is towards the end of his three-year public ministry. So he's had three years of doing things in the land of Israel. And if you even look at the book of Luke you have several passages that talk about Jesus and his relationship to these accursed, despised, excluded, condemned tax collectors. Well, he picked one of them to be one of the 12. Now think about that. Talk about cognitive dissonance Talk about people scratching their head and maybe he's picking one of those despised people to be one of his closest associates. One of the key people. A disciple. One of the twelve. That's interesting. And do you think among... Ta and remember Levi later on, he has a giant party for all of his tax collector buddies and friends. He brings them all over to the house and they spend time hearing Jesus and he's teaching them as if they are part of God's people. Interesting. And the Pharisees, of course, have a kitten. They're upset. Why does, your, why does your teacher eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus basically says, it's not the sick, it's not the well people that need a doctor, it's the sick people that need a doctor. Uh, that's why I'm here. I'm here to help those who need to be restored to God and helped. To call sinners to repentance, not righteous or self-righteous people. Do you think word spread among the tax collectors of Israel? Oh, have you heard what happened with Jesus and this group over in the Lake of Galilee? So then, back in Luke 15, 
As we go forward, tax gatherers and sinners are drawing near to listen to him. And again, the Pharisees and scribes are grumbling. Oh, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus tells three stories. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Parable of the prodigal son, which implies that he was wanting the lost people to be restored to his father. That's why he was here. It wasn't to climb the Pharisaic social ladder and be with the big boys. You know, that, that wasn't his agenda. In fact, he thought that was just an offense to God, this self-righteous posturing and ladder climbing, and, and it, was, it was a fraud because those people also had huge things going on in their life that they were pretending they didn't have and then trying to make everyone else march to their tune. Not very good. And then later in Luke 18, just a, a few chapters before, he tells a parable of the Pharisee and the tax gatherer in the temple. And remember that story where two men went into the temple, one is a Pharisee's, God, I thank you that I'm not like all those other people. I tithe, you know, I fast. Basically, I keep all the rules, and I'm so glad I'm not like that tax gatherer over there. You know, thank God for me. And Jesus says he was praying to himself. You know, he's not even talking to God. He's, it's like he's just like pumping himself up with pride and elevation. And then there's the tax gatherer, this despised person who won't even look up to God, but just is beating his breast from sorrow. And it's interesting. Lord, be propitious. I can't even give you a sacrifice that's good enough. Would you do the job for me and make me right with you? I need a miracle. And Jesus says, that man went home righteous in the sight of God. Do you think these stories and incidents got out? Do you think among the taxes? So here's, here's Zacchaeus. He's in Jericho, and he's hearing all this, and he wants to know, is it true? Is he really what my buddies and my networks are telling me he is? Or is he just another, just another Pharisee, but a nicer one? So Jesus, he's an unlikely Jesus seeker. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But there's a problem. He's a shorty. He's small in stature. I remember when I was in elementary school, we, had, we always had the short kid, the, the shrimp. So Zacchaeus was the short, the short kid, the short guy, and all these people were thronging. So there was no way a small size guy like him could possibly see through like a wall of six people who were taller than him and catch and see who Jesus was. So here he is. And it's interesting, men, remember, remember how we treat the shortest kid in the class? You know, remember that in elementary school? What, were they having a great experience or was it kind of short end of the stick, no pun intended, all the time? Last picked for teams and then because they're so small, they are easy to bully. It's interesting as a small person, 
and being human nature what it is, I'm thinking Zacchaeus didn't have a great experience in Jericho growing up. And it seems to me that because he was being rejected and, and stigmatized as a short person, that he became a tax gatherer. If I'm going to be rejected, let's go to the full, full mile here. Let's, let's just get a profession that just, you know, makes it formal, you know. And, so, and then he gets the pleasure of taking money from the very people who were dishonoring and rejecting him for being small. Can you imagine what that was like? It was his compensation for their rejection. And the higher he climbed in the tax gatherer system, the more he could extort and extract from these rejecting people and get every last penny out of them and punish them. The problem was, did it help? He became fabulously wealthy, but did it help? Did it really touch the root, driving him in such a cycle of rejection and punishment over and over and over? and over, and over. He was hated, but he got the money, but was it, was it enough? Kind of a good question, isn't it? We get in these little negative loops, and then we're trapped, and we're still empty on the inside. It still isn't enough. We need an outside intervention, but I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's get back. So, he was small, so he ran ahead, and he climbed, oh, by the way, adult men never ran. Boys ran. Messenger boys ran. Slaves ran. But an adult man of stature, it's beneath him. And they certainly didn't scamper up trees like a boy. So here he is. He's willing to basically risk you know, shame and dishonor in order to run ahead and climb up a sycamore tree in order to really see for himself who Jesus was. So, you know, next slide, basically, you know, there's some questions to think about here. Uh, Is that the right? Okay, maybe I changed some questions. Okay, here we go. What reports had Zacchaeus heard? We looked at that. And um, why, let's go, go back to the previous questions. It looks like I failed to edit some things here. Okay. How might rejection or mistreatment, how might that have marked our lives? There's some things we probably need to talk about in the Lord's family in the, with our Bibles open and our prayers at hand, how common is rejection? Is there anyone here who hasn't experienced rejection? Who hasn't been disowned and disgraced by one set of friends or left and rejected by an ex-somebody, ex-friend? It happens. Churches can reject. People can be re- meet rejection there. Small towns. You know, the thing about a small town is like, everyone knows. And if you're stigmatized 
it's hard to live that down in a small town. So it's a big issue. It's a deep issue. Let's see what Jesus is going to do to help our friend Zacchaeus because something beautiful, something wonderful is going to happen. Verse 5. Let's go bring up the text. Five, chapter 5 to 5 and 6. It's the unlikely sinner seeker. We've had the unlikely savior seeker, and now we have the unlikely sinner seeker. And so here we are. Jesus, Jesus comes, he goes all the way through the city, he's on his way out, and he stops. And everyone's like, uh, is there a problem? And he looks up, sees Zacchaeus, and what's interesting to me is Zacchaeus has been looked down on his whole life. And here's someone looking up to him. Just that. Pretty amazing. And then the Lord calls him by name and uses a form of the name that basically, my friend Zacchaeus. It's like someone who is formerly called James is called Jimmy. Kind of that same idea. So it's a term of affection and intimacy. Zacchaeus, my friend, hurry and come down. Right here, buddy. Right here. Right away. For today, Jesus makes two today statements in our text. Here's the first one. Today, and it's emphasized in the Greek, today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. There is divine purposes and plans. It's necessary. I cannot get out of it. It is absolutely essential that I stay with you tonight. And that was a mark of preference and public honor. Of all the people he could have stayed with at Jericho, he chooses Zacchaeus to be that one. And says it in front of all these crowds of people who are following him after the blind man got healed. And how does Zacchaeus respond? Look at this. Verse 6. He hurried and he came down and received him joyously. It's, it's the word for joy. Joyously. <gasps> Yay! Because all they'd heard about Christ was true. Not just true for other places and other tax collectors, but true and really true for him. He called him by name. He looked up at him. He invited him to get close. He publicly chose him to be the person he would honor by openly, publicly staying at his house as a, as a guest. And they lived happily ever after. Well, not quite. But I want you to look at this where, where Zacchaeus, I think we can go to the, the next question. It's hopefully the one I want. Let's go to the, oh. Second question. Why did Christ's acts of grace giving change Zacchaeus so quickly and fully? What? Because the man who came down from that tree was not the same man who climbed up the tree. There was a, a moment of transformation where he put his confidence in the grace and acceptance of Christ 
And he was now no longer outside. He was in. The Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords, God in human flesh had said, like Uncle Sam in the poster, I want you. And he's saying that to us. I want you. And you. And you 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 and you. you. I want you. Come here. I know your name. I'm looking at you. I'm not ignoring you. I'm not passing you by. I know, I know your plight. I know, I know what, what demons you're struggling with. I know what heartbreaks and wounds you're carrying. I know it all. And I'm saying, right here, draw close. Let me honor and publicly own you as mine. Be the friend of the infinite God of the universe and the incarnated God-man, Jesus Christ, who embodies and makes him visible. And that is the person who is speaking to us right now. We can look at the word as a, a group of people. Oh, we're in a classroom. You know, how's the professor doing? Is it a nice message? Or we could come as someone I so badly need someone infinitely higher than me to love me in a way no human being can love me, to intervene from the outside in and change me where human effort and self-fixing and, and substances and whatever cannot change the landscape of my soul. I need to become a new person, but I can't do the job. I need an intervention. And here we have in Zacchaeus, a man who came down, delivered, restored to God, included, favored, blessed. And he was the least, he was not in the who's who of the synagogue. The opposite. And that's why this story is so encouraging. Because if Zacchaeus could be preferred and called by name and welcomed and brought down and brought close and then publicly owned as the guy I want to stay with in front of all these people. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who knows. And friends, you know you've been marked by the grace of God when it no longer matters who knows what your worst foot is. What issues drove you to the Savior and caused you to meet the Most High God and be wonderfully, wonderfully transformed? You know you're free. When it, if you're good with him, it doesn't matter what anyone else is saying or doing, you're fine. You're more than fine. You're the most blessed person on planet Earth if you're one of his. Amen. Yeah, I mean, put a smile on her face. It's, like, it's not like he's still in the grave, right? It's not like the cross hasn't happened. It's done. It is finished. Done, done deal. It's over. And which house does Jesus live in today? Where's he staying? In all of our hearts as believers, uh, he abides in us. He has made his home through the Holy Spirit. You are now the privileged host of Jesus Christ within you. 
How's that for acceptance? How's that for preferential treatment? How's that for owning you joyously, openly as one of his? Can you dig it? Can you, can you take this in? I mean, seriously, it's like, next, next thing I'm going to say is groovy or something like that. But, you know, I mean, can, can you dig it? It's, it's awesome. And then they all lived happily ever after. Well, what's interesting is then we have, we have an interesting incident where the crowds hear this. Verse 7, when they saw it, all these people who are hurraying, the blind man being, you know, restored to sight, are now booing. Instead of praising the Lord, they're, they're complaining, they're grousing, they're grumbling. And the Greek verb is like, rah, 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 rah. it has that kind of, rah, 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 rah. <coughs> all right. They all began to grumble, saying, and, it's, and again, a man who is a sinner he has gone to be the guest of, emphasizing sinner man. So, more rejection. After you're saved, is it a fairy tale? Or are there tests and temptations? Are there trials and things coming at you that try to pull you right back into that land of, of, of sorrow and, and anger and whatever? The flesh. Yes, there is. So how's Zacchaeus going to respond? All these people are grumbling. The same people who were making his life miserable his whole life were doing it again. So how's he going to respond? Verse 8. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord. He's not talking to this crowd. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Lord. As long as he has Jesus' acceptance, they can grumble all they want. Some of us struggle with giving so much power to those condemning, toxic voices. And what we really need is to get our eyes back on the Lord and talk to Him. Because if we're okay with Him and He loves us and He's done all these things for us and we're restored and right as rain and everything's fine, who cares what they're saying? They don't have the power. And that goes for Satan and his demons as well, or the world system. Fill in the blank, whatever evil voice or power, it has no place because the Lord has, has the final word. Jesus has the final word, and Zacchaeus knew it. And he stopped, and he talked to the Lord. Behold, Lord, hey, I want to bring something to your attention Half of my possessions I will give to the poor. All this money I've extracted with taxes to punish these people for rejecting me, well, because of your acceptance, I don't care anymore. Avarice and wealth had lost their grip on his heart because the grace of Christ was holding his heart instead. Vow number one, half of it's gone. Today's going to be a great day in Jericho. So the people who literally cursed him were now going to be incredibly blessed by him. Isn't that interesting? Grace does funny things to people. Beautiful things. And nobody was forcing Zacchaeus. 
It was a free will response to the love and acceptance of Christ. I'm giving half of it away. And the, the second half, if I've defrauded anyone out of anything, I will restore, as the law of God says, four times. They're going to get four times the amount of whatever I took. I mean, think about that. How much would he have left? Probably not a lot. But the most important thing is the grip those evils had on his heart. That cycle of rejection and punishing and using money to get his revenge on them had been broken. It wasn't coming back. And Jesus, how does Jesus respond to this? The second today statement. Today, today I'm not only going to stay at your house, but today salvation has come to this house. So all these like grumbling people, it's like, I got an announcement. Today, this guy you despised is right with God, restored to God, and he is truly delivered. And he's, he's, he's mine, and he's fine with God, and He also is a son of Abraham. He's in. He's not only right with God, he's right with you too. Because if he's right with God, get with the program. Why would Jesus do this? Because, well, he'll tell the crowd. Because the Son of Man has come to seek and save those who are lost. Got some questions to leave you with. I think the next slide has them, hopefully. Dear Lord. Oh, yeah, a habit. Look at people with gospel eyes. See the problem behind their problems. What is their problem? They're not right with God. They're at war with themselves and everyone else. They act ugly and they take it out on everyone else. Why? Because something didn't happen that they needed, something good was withheld, or something bad was dished out on them, and they're looping. And they need an outside intervention of grace-giving love to be free. What if you, gave, what if you were the, the voice that did that, the hands that did that? Give them the opposite of what they expect. Don't repay. By the way, we're commanded not to repay evil with evil, <clears throat> yeah, that's still in the Bible. But overcome evil with good. Not just endure the bad, but then dish out the opposite good, and all of a sudden the bad guys are no longer in charge. They're going like, they don't know what to do with it. And you can smile, and they need the antacid. And again, that's grace. Grace does things in how we see people and how we treat people, wanting them to have what we have in Jesus, wanting to know him, wanting to experience his grace the way we have. See yourself in a church family. Oh, here's a great question. Church, who are the Zacchaeus people in our town? Who are the tax gatherers in this, this little town? What's the word, what word is out among that group about us? What word has gone out? And what could we do to generate reports of our unexpected grace that will reach their ears? 
We're not helpless. Oh, oh, what do we do? Oh, are you kidding? The power of the grace of God? Are you kidding? It's no contest. We don't just sit around and feel sorry that the society's against us. It's like, it, just look, if the early Christians could basically in 200 years completely overthrow the Roman society system, can we not do the same? And how do we do it? Grace. Grace is how we do it. And the world is scratching his head. It, they are befuddled and frustrated because we're not following the script. We're following his script. So I leave you with the challenge. Who's, who's the Zacchaeus group in this town? And how could we generate reports of amazing, unexpected grace that would even reach their ears? I'll bet you that would do things to your outreach. That'd be pretty cool, pretty awesome for the Lord. All right, well, it's New Year's. I hate to keep you detained. You know, you probably have things to do tonight. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to touch us in our Zacchaeus places and to help us touch many people outside these walls in their Zacchaeus place. Father, thank you. You know our plight. You know what drives us. You know what's going on. You were there for every moment. You saw it all. And we are not forlorn or forsaken. We are not ignored or abandoned. You love us, and you have the key to our heart. And you want to use it for good. So, Father, please keep our hearts tender. Please open doors. Please take down no trespassing signs, no entry signs. And I pray that in those places where we most need an outside intervention of grace-giving love, would this coming year, would that be our New Year's present from Christ himself? In Jesus' name, amen.